So welcome to Decapod. As always, I am your ever-loving psychic, Terry Cook, and I am joined by the ever-wonderful host of the show, Emma Morgan. And I'm going to start off with one very, very special question. Emma, how much do you love Bottom? Oh, so much. Bottom is my favourite thing in the world. I've loved it for most of my life. How about well, you? I from from the first time I experienced bottom fun, um, the bottom fun became one of the most joyous pleasures. Yeah, agreed. Um, for anyone wondering what they've walked into, and we are indeed <laughs> talking about the 1990s wonderful sitcom starring Rick Mail and Adrian Edmondson. That is indeed bottom. Uh, one of one of the greatest sitcoms of all time, if not the greatest sitcom of all time. And as we move out of the uh, sort of the yearly episodes we've been doing, we're now venturing into specials where we're talking more specifically. And what better episode to start with than bottom? And yes, I will continue to say the word bottom exactly that way throughout the remainder of the show. Well, I'm going to jump in with a fun fact. So when they were writing, or when they were coming up with the idea, um, Bottom was originally going to be called Your Bottom because they loved the idea of people saying, I saw your bottom last night. There are times when I wish we planned this show, and this is one of them because that is also my first fact that I've got (laughs) written down. (laughs) Sorry. So well done on that incredibly awesome fact. Yeah. Um, it just sums them up, really, and kind of sums the show up as well. Actually, do you know what? I'm going to start off with that. I want you to sum up the show. So let's imagine that we've got a listener that has never watched Bottom. How would yeah. you sum- summarise that show for that listener? So they're supposed to be like, um, and I know what you're going to do, you're going to go, what, when I say this, but... I'm I love it when you anyway. preempt what I'm going to do. <laughs> well, <laughs> they are supposed to feel like waiting for Godot-style characters in that they are stuck where they are, they are stuck with each other, and they have no way of sort of getting out of the situation. And that's quite a common one in, in sitcom land anyway. But it is and another way of describing it as well, if anybody is fans of the young ones, they are kind of Rick and Vivian, but grown up. So it's just, and uh, always described as kind of anarchic humour. It's very physical humour. But yeah, just two absolute losers living in a flat in Hammersmith, not with jobs, not gainfully employed, nothing going on in their lives apart from each other and winding each other up um, and hitting each other quite a lot. Did Eddie ever have a job during the episode? No. It's very much around they get the benefits and stuff like that. Yeah, and just when you're saying about that, it's like, I can't... I think there was a couple of episodes where he'd just been sacked. I think they talk about him losing his job. But I don't know if that was kind of talking about before the series kicked off. I think it is. I think it always eludes her. He's, He's kind of one of those people, Eddie, where he's a bit of an enigma... And he always seems quite handy uh, about being able to acquire money. But I generally think the joke is that they they don't have employment and they're just kind of living off benefits. Because, and and people can't see what I'm doing here, but he's an electrician, right? Yeah. (laughs) Somehow done some kind of um, half a day course that he left halfway halfway through in in to become an electrician. And we see those shows, those skills throughout the show. Um, do you have a favourite 
Rick, uh, not Rick, um, Richie or Eddie, do you have a preference? Are you more drawn to one than the other? Not in your usual sense of who's uh, who's got the most impressive trouser package, but in terms of... Well, I know the answer to that. Well, we'll come back to that. Okay, go, yeah. go on then. Okay, who has the most impressive trouser package? Um, Rick does, and you can see it on um, the episode Burglar. So on the episode Burglar, right at the end, they get tied to chairs in their underpants. Now... There's something really visible in Rick Mel's underpants and next to him with Eddie's or Aid's underpants. It's quite baggy. Check it. The, the Rick is packing. Absolutely packing. I've had that on pause. <laughs> um, to verify it. Okay. I mean, what I will say is it's taken us three minutes to talk about the penises. Three minutes. I'm, I'm actually good. It took me that long, if yeah. I'm honest. Um, so I I really go between the two because I kind of feel like Eddie is really funny and really like on the ball. And I liked his sarcasm and his kind of comebacks. But I do, I adore Rick and I adore Richie. And I kind of like Richie's kind of like, <laughs> like he's kind of, I think I'm probably more like Richie, but I think Eddie's just he's just a funny character he's he's like his own persona or that that whole idea about he he just open his coat and get a pint you kind of people kind of have an eddie in the group that can kind of just produce a drink from anywhere yeah i think i'm the same i think that richie is it to me he strikes me as like an eternal optimist you know, he has those manic depressive moments. And I think it's like in the first episode where he's like thoroughly depressed how everything's going. He's leaning out of his little porch window, talking about how bad the world is now. No one wants to do it. And then eventually that monologue turns into maybe I could charge people to have sex with me. And it's like he goes from this manic depressive to this 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 optimism, this blind optimism. And I kind of there are times I feel like I just want to give him a hug. Yeah. But then you know, within 30 seconds, he'd be dry humping you. I was going to say, yeah, he'd, he'd probably get a boner, but um, there you go. But yeah, I could be, and I like, I do quite a, oh, come on, Eddie. It's just that kind of, they kind of um, swap between who's the parent and who's the child quite a lot. Uh, and I quite like that about them as well. And they will then sometimes just both go into sort of child mode as well when they start fighting and things like that. Um, so, yeah, so th- they're both good in their own way, but I think Richie for me, and because like even playing Richard Richard, Rick Mel's still very fanciable. And if there's anybody from school listening, they will know that me and my friend were as, as obsessed with Rick Mail as other people were with people like Robbie Williams. Like if you could have had Rick Mail posters all over your wall. I would have had those. In fact, I don't know whether I revealed this on another Decapod episode or just talking to you, but I like had a flashback when we were talking about stuff. I had a Rick Mail scrapbook where any time he was in a magazine, we cut it out and I'd sort of collected lots of little Rick Mail snippets. I um I was so I found like Richie, like say I was drawn to, to Richie in that sense, but I think I always looked like Eddie was the cool one. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, it's sort of one, like you say, you go out with a group of friends and he'd disappear 20 uh-huh. minutes in and turn up three hours later. It's, you know, slept with three women and I've randomly got four pints from somewhere. And I think also he always looks, he never, he's never happy. 
mm. or rarely happy, but he always just sort of content. Whatever's going yeah. on, he's just happy with the situation. He's happy to watch <laughs> Bond or, you know, happy just to sit there with his pint or with his dazed expression, just just pondering. And I think there's something quite endearing about that as well. So as as kind of sad and pathetic as they are, I'm actually quite, in, I'm actually quite drawn to them. Yeah, I think a lot of people would agree they are strangely lovable as characters, um, which is interesting if you think about how violent they are. And actually, um, I won't go on about this, but uh, my dissertation at university was about violence in comedy and the and it was focusing specifically on their humour and how you make that. You know, they're really violent acts, but they're funny. And that's absolutely fascinating to me. And it's there's um there's also like a Monty Python bit. There's like the um there's the night bit in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It has all his limbs chopped off. That is horrific, but it is hilarious. So this violence in comedy and how you make it funny, genuinely fascinating. Got a very um poor grade for my dissertation though. Um <laughs> what would, would you refer to it as comedy horror? No, I would not. Um, worth a try, <laughs> one. Um, I guess well, there is the Halloween episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, why? Why do you think that the the um, sort of the the violence is funny? What makes it funny? Um, so I again borrowing back from my university years when I was like uh, decided to do a lot of reading into this and around slapstick in particular. Um, there's a cartoon element, so. Yes, they show. So in the Monty Python example, they say he doesn't show pain. He just keeps getting back up. And whereas Richie and Eddie, they do sort of scream in pain, but they keep getting back up. So it's like they're like a cartoon character in that kind of dispensement of sort of violence towards them and sort of pain. And I think that's why that's why it's funny. And they do get quite silly in the way. And they kind of almost have like these standard things. And this comes out in the live shows as well. Eddie will always get his cricket bat for example and that would get a cheer from the audience so you know when that when that moment happens and things like that so i think it's that it's that cartoon element that they've got i think yeah and the other one for me is the the sound effects uh-huh. i think that because that that makes it more cartoon that exaggerates it but that i think the the one that springs to mind immediately is like the frying pan sound when they yeah. get a bit of frying pan it's like a clung clung and it's just brilliant um but when you were saying that about the live shows and what i said Again, I'm just having a, a flashback. So I, I forget which live show it was, but where um, Richie just goes, I give up. And then he stops. He's like, well, why didn't you say so? It's like <laughs> this magical yeah. rules that he'd never known throughout the entire series, and it props up. And, uh, and then we find out that Richie never, ever won a fight in one of the <laughs> live ones. And I'm like, I went. I can remember when I watched that. I went back and checked him out. It's like, yeah. he never actually did win one. There were a few, you might have referred to him as a draw. But he never actually did yeah. did win one. But yeah, it's, I think the the slapstick, the cartoon, and just the exaggeration of it, and and some of the um, some of the ways they do it. I think it might even be the first ever episode where it's it's got him with pliers up the nose, trying yeah. to get his nostril there, just ragging him about the bathroom. It's brilliant. But we're obviously talking there about um, uh, Richie and Eddie, um, it pretty much is a series about them too. Mm-hmm. It, there's some other guests. Uh, oh, who else was there? We got Dave Edgehog, Spud Gun. I think that's. And there's a couple of guest appearances. We've got Dickhead who Dickhead, runs the pub, and um, the guy that runs the shop is it Mr. Harrison? Yes. I know he's not in it that often. That's... He's only in a couple, isn't he? Yeah, I think he might be their landlord as well. Yes, yes, because they live above the shop, don't they? 
yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on on? Because they're the only recurring characters, aren't they? Uh, Dave Edgehog, Spud Gun, Dickhead, which is brilliant now, and uh, <laughs> and Mr. Harrison, the landlord shop owner. What are your thoughts on them? Yeah, I um, yeah, I like. I think Spud Spud Gun um, and Dave Hedgehog are brilliant as Eddie's friends, and I like the idea because they're kind of losers as well. But they all look down on Richie. <laughs> it's just this thing of Richie remains the ultimate outsider. And the episode that really springs to mind for a best example of that is when it's Richie's birthday. And he's just like being really like unreasonable. They have to play um I'm in the car. <laughs> Goes flying down the stairs <laughs> on his on his wheelchairs. He's broke both his legs. That's not my leg in there. <laughs> 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 and yeah, and um, what does Dave Hedgehog he says? Uh, do it. He's a psycho, and they're like quite. They're quite scared of Richie. Uh, and then that's when Eddie starts referring to as him as she as well. Like, and and I think that's like they've got that husband and wife almost. And Richie is like Eddie's wife. There's that one where Eddie comes in and he's been out to the pub, and and Richie like has a go at him like he's a wife. I've hoovered. Yeah. <laughs> I even tried to flush the toilet five times. Um, yeah. I think that the, the further we get into the series, and even probably more so as we get into the um, the live shows, I get more and more convinced that, that Rich is bisexual. I think that... <laughs> yeah. I don't know whether it's just been... Because there's I forget which live show it is, but there's the ones where it's <laughs> literally track where I've sex with Eddie. And I don't think it's just that he's stuck on an island with him. I think that... <laughs> Uh, you know, if I was kind of trying to dissect that, and I'm I'm not the person to do this, but if I was trying to dissect that, I would say that he's just repressed it for the first <laughs> 10 years of living together, and then he's finally just given up and gone, yeah, do you know what? I'll shag you. Well, maybe it's the second live show where they go to prison and Mr. Big um, wants him. <laughs> well, if anything's going to do it, that might. Let's go back to the, to the show itself, the show as a whole. What, I know we touched on this before on, on the 91 episode, I think it would have been when it kicked off, but what what first drew you? When when did you first watch Bottom? What drew you into it? How did you first think of it? So I, I, I'm I pretty sure I watched it far too young to be watching it, and I would have only been interested in it because my brother's six years older than me, so he would have been the right age for it. And he would have, and if because my brother was watching it, I would have wanted to watch it. So that would have been it. That would have been my in. And I, I remember I did say this on the episode. This, the title credits are funny, so it is funny before the shows even start. It, it is like when they're on that bench and they're fighting, and then Eddie has disappeared, <laughs> or Richie's gone, hasn't he? Yeah, you know, Richie's gone, and 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 Eddie kind of has to look down like that. That made me laugh every single week. They've not even spoken a line of dialogue by then. And I think even if you were a bit young to be watching it, it is, again, it's just that cartoon humour, but it was um, this understanding as well of when you watch it, you're like, well, I can't say any of this. I can't be going around the house uh, saying these lines because that's what that used to be my thing as a kid. used to watch films, memorise them and sort of say them off by heart. Um, And... Yeah, but actually, controversially, and I think this will come from some kind of PTSD-type 
thing of insisting we watch it in the living room and then obviously the first episode they go to a sex shop and sitting there watching that with your mum and dad like that's that's not good um you know 11 years old probably i think when bottom first came out and yet and my mum and dad like weren't like ridiculously prudish but i don't think they really wanted sex shops and dildos and stuff on the tv screen on a on a would have been a monday evening i think when it first went out i'll have five quids worth please (laughs) (laughs) um I think I was a little bit late when I first started watching it. I, I was, I'm, when we did the the night one episode, I was struggling to to pinpoint when I first watched it. So I've been giving it some thought. I think I was about 13, 14. Yeah. So it, and I, I must have caught an episode on TV and then somehow went out and bought the VHSs because I can remember taking up my school and lending them to my mate, who also has the show now, Tony Walsh. Well, hi, Tony. Um, and I can remember being like, it was as if I was like, you know, swapping contraband. <laughs> like, <laughs> no one can see this because it was a fifth, I think it were a 15, wasn't 15, it? 15, yeah. yeah. It's like, and I'm too young. I can remember swapping these VHSs about thinking, all right, cool. Um, but I think I appreciate it now exactly the same way I appreciate it then. I think that if you don't have a kind of childish sense of humor, you're not going to mm-hmm. enjoy bottom. And I just, I fell in love with it. And like you said about the the, the credits, it's, I think I mentioned before on the show that there's there's only a handful of shows that I watched the intro for. So the best of my recollection, there's only two shows I watched the end credits for. One of them's bottom and the other one's only fools and horses. Mm-hmm. Um, but that bottom one, like I say, the end of it, the, the black shadows just dancing and, and kicking yeah. crap out of each other. And Ed even wins that fight. So <laughs> yeah, he does, doesn't he? Yeah. But then... The other thing about it as well is the episodes like being so standalone as well. So like the chemo, so I'm I'm not a massive fan of the first one anymore. I, I would have liked it when I was younger, but um, I'm not a massive fan of it. I think there's much stronger episodes. So I think, I was trying to think about even just from series one, my favourite episode. And it's really, I like them all for different reasons. Like I love Gas Man because that's got that whole bit with the when the gas man comes in and he's like, would you like a cup of tea? And he's like, yeah, okay, I'll put the kettle on. Uh, Put the kettle on? Yes, put the kettle on the floor. (laughs) And it's just like, that's quite, and this is the other thing I love about them. And I think this is that if you're snobby, you miss this because you only see like the violent childish side actually their wordplay is amazing yeah. and it's and there's lots of really good lines in there uh, and they even do like there's one episode where richie does tony hancock there's a tony hancock sketch um in one of the episodes as well and that must be he must have been a fan i reckon so he kind of wanted to sort of redo that but yeah i love gas and that those kinds of moments um I do really love his birthday one because I think we've all been that person on the birthday. And I just love that thing where he gets the present off Eddie and he's going, oh, wonder what it is. wonder what it is. It's a comb. It's my comb. It's my comb that I lost last week. And it's like that being friends with someone who is a shit present giver and then gets hooked and has to go back. Oh, this is more like it. It's the right control for the television set. And it's, uh, it's it is a lot of fun, and I've not watched it in a few years. But as obviously, you as you can tell, it's still quite 
forefront of my mind. But I, and I'll tell you another line that's had a lasting effect on me that I will pause so that you could come in with some of your favourite moments as well. Um, and there's the one where they have to look after the shop. Um, and even to this day, if I go in a shop and something is 55p, or in my head, will always think, excuse it, 55p, Mr. 55p. <laughs> Every time. I almost want something to be 55p, just like this is the 55p. I did warn you there'd be impressions. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's nothing new there. What, what, I'm, <laughs> what I like is that I genuinely thought that this, this episode that we're doing now will just be 100% kind of agreement. Uh, but I genuinely really like the first episode, yeah. um, Smells. And I think it's a perfect introduction. And I'm going to come back to that in a second because uh, you mentioned Gas and that's that's my favourite episode out of the lot. I think it's just, it's comedy gold all the way through from the, uh, you know, <laughs> the story about the trousers in the wood, you know. Just <laughs> once Dave. a pair of trousers, yeah, called Dave. <laughs> and, you know, the fact that they're trying, is that the one they're trying to get rid of him on top of a bus, don't they? <laughs> That one, yeah. He's going uh, to do his hobby of bus surfing. But see, this is the thing for me. I, I've been honest, like the, the first and second series, I get mixed up with which episodes, which um, I know they're all kind of standalone episodes, but a lot of the, the sketches are sort of interchangeable. You could take them out of one and put them in the other episode. I think season three feels different, but I'll, I'll come back to that. But, um, but yeah, I think the gas was brilliant because you have that. And then he wakes up and he disappears. And then they go around and there's that, <laughs> I think it's that this is my favourite moment from the entire series. And it's where um, Rich is in bed between what's his face and his wife. What's, is it Bulldog or something like that? I can't remember his name. Mr. Rottweiler. Yes. And his, and his missus. <laughs> and Eddie's downstairs just stuffing his face and raw food. <laughs> and then he starts shouting at him. He's like, Richie. <laughs> Richie, and then, yeah. <laughs> Richie, and then Eddie, uh, Rich just sits up in bed between them both, and then and then from that, obviously the the gas man then comes to the door there, and that's a bit of a panic attack, and I think it's just like beautifully played comedy, and you know my feelings on comedy, but mm. I think this works absolutely beautifully, and uh, yeah, so that I think gas is definitely my favorite. The, I think the reason I like smells is because I feel like it's a perfect introduction to the to the show. I think it's got a bit of everything. Mm-hmm. I think it, it shows them at their worst and their best, you know. And I, and I just think it's brilliant. And, and I wrote this down actually because it's it's the first line of the show. So the the first line of the first episode of the first season where they walk in and Richie says, "I just don't understand it." I winked, I smiled, one of my nice ones as well. I sat down very nicely, put on my special eyes and said, hello, Big Six, looking for some action. (laughs) That's the perfect introduction to Bottom. It's perfect. Um, So I I do really like it. I mean, I can see it's not, I've wrote my kind of top three down actually, so it's not in my top three, but I just think it's a great way to introduce the show. And it was only when I was looking back over them and I was thinking that series three always felt different to the other two for me. And I couldn't, quim- I couldn't quite pinpoint why. And I think there's a couple of things. I think series one and two was, I think they were all directed by Ed Bai. And then yeah. season three had a different director. So there's obviously a different, oh, that's a quizzical expression. 
Um, I'm not going to challenge too much. I, I, I don't think they did change. Um, I might do a live research while I'm talking. Um, but yeah, I think season three had a different director. Or maybe a producer, one that's over, I don't know. But, um, but also it was a few years after. So season two finished in 92. And then season three went in 95. So there's that little gap of years mm. where... You know, technology just moves on, so it might just be that the the as I remember looking at it, the the, the picture quality is a little bit crisper. You know, yeah. so I think there's a, a couple of things in play. But season one and two are very interchangeable for me. But season three, it feels different, and they, they go out. I think I'm right saying they go outside a bit more in season three. I think the bulk yeah. of one and two is all in, and then now I think season three is that the Halloween episode in there. Yeah, yeah, and then they've got the. Um, I can't remember, but yeah, it feels like they go out a bit more in there. Well, they start on the Ferris wheel. Yeah. Which is another reason why I would pitch it for such a good comedy. They do an entire episode at the top of a Ferris wheel. They've got nothing to interact with on that. And that's one of my favourite episodes, I think, as well. But that is the the brilliant episode where Eddie opens up his coat and he's got a pint in it. <laughs> it's like Eddie is never in a situation where he hasn't got like some form of alcohol. Uh, uh, on his person or available to him but yeah I think for me the other thing to remember is they've done two tours as well by the time they get to season three they've done two tours so they've probably really been thinking about where they want to go but I also know there was a fourth series pitched and it never became anything Um, I think there were episodes written and and everything for it but um, either the Beeb said no or they got other projects or something like that I think uh, I remember reading about this somewhere ages ago I, I seem to remember it was like them in 20 years time yeah it was like an older version of them I don't know if they're like, going to be like a nursing home or something and still like, <laughs> did the same way but but yeah um, and yes a live research it was Bob Spears that directed uh, series three just series three yeah, series one and two. Was well, as far by. as I can see, was Ed by, yeah. So, and then um, series three was uh, Bob Spears. Uh, well, Ed by, we know who he's married to, don't we? Um, no. Ruby Wax. Oh. You've got to get a Ruby Wax mentioning. I have to. She's amazing. Um, okay. Yeah. So, um yeah, so it, it, yeah, it's just, it's just one of those, those for me really, where you name an episode and I can, I can shout a line out or something like that. But it just was, it was a huge part of my life because, of, but it was obsession. Um, to a point where when Rick died, people that went to school with me genuinely sent me messages to check I was okay because like he was because they were like he was so important to you you know and the whole reason I did the dissertation was um because I wrote to their agents to because I wanted to interview them for my dissertation and um yeah obviously they both said no and I think we've mentioned that on a previous episode but it's still in my mind well he had that um accident on quad back as well didn't he yeah. And they even made that into one of live shows, didn't they, with, with Eddie pretending that he cut the brakes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I, I didn't know until I read read this up was originally on series one, um, I forget which one it was now, but I think it's Sup 
was meant to be mm-hmm. the the first one, and then they made that like two years before, and then for whatever reason, they then switched it and went with smells and put that further down the line. I think it was so, but the original pilot wasn't smells; it was a different one. I don't think Sup would have landed as well as the first one. I think that was a good decision they made. Um, it is one of my favourites. Uh, brilliant because that's the one in the shop, Mister Fifty Five P, and I. Uh, I like the fact that <laughs> you can kind of really see the depths of how low they go. And there's that granny that goes, what's the matter? Are you mad? <laughs> and then he's like, do you want some of this? <laughs> and like, the friends are out of the shop just because he's like, he's been doing some weird little performance. Like, and he, uh, he's, um, I, I do, um, I do love him. He's, he's a very good character, but yeah, do you want some of this? Is that the one where he does a rain dance? Yeah, on the top, and yeah. then he gets um, like a bird. Yeah. Can you remember the lyrics of the rain dance? It's something like, Hum on the pation, hum on the pation, hum on the pation, rain. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I can do better than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the other thing I found out, another little tidbit that I wasn't aware of, was from season two that, uh, oh, God, I'm not good with S's, Salt. Out, yeah, um, was yeah, originally recorded for season two, but didn't go out until 1995 because there, there was a, a murder on Wimbledon Common, yeah, I've heard that, yeah. So, it well, was originally for series one, I thought it was season it came two, out series two, it did come out in series two. Uh, no, ah, I'm gonna. I think, right, it was made for Series 2 and it's still in Series 2, but it didn't come out until 95 uh, because the 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 the, the murder t- happened in 92, so they didn't want to put it out in relation to that. But, like, if you were to look on the, like, I don't know what it's on online, you know, Netflix or whatever, or your box sets, it'll be classed as Series 2, but it didn't come out until 95. So it must have come out. So when they did Series 2, there must have only been five episodes then. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, Although if you, look, if you look at it, there's there's six because it's classed as Series yeah. 2 now. Oh, how cool. I didn't know. I knew about, I knew that there was that murder and that, that was problematic. Problematic, we got the word <laughs> in. Yeah, have, a, have a shot. Anyone listening? <laughs> we said problematic. Um, but I didn't realise that it had had that big an impact where they literally, it had to be a few years before that episode came out. No, it's annoyed me now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just realised that I've actually wrote down that Ed By directed season one and two and Bob Spears directed season three. <laughs> so I didn't need to do a live check because uh, I'd write it down. Uh, this is oh, how well. I use my notes, people. This is how I use my notes. <laughs> um, th- all right, so what, what would you say were your favourite episodes? You mentioned Gas, but other than Gas, what would you put as your favourite episodes? So I would say my more of my favourite episodes are in series two, maybe series two and three. Um, so my favourite episode, I think, from the first series is Contest, which is just, I, I just, I love that episode. But my, so I, oh, it's really close between two. So there's the Burglar episode, which I think is amazing. Um uh, because that is that something else that I always say is I always go lounge, yes, lounge, <laughs> like that. It's the only time I say that word. That's that's in my head, and and it's got Nigel from EastEnders yeah. um, as, a, as a sweet little cameo. Um, but just that whole 
like trying to hide him again and like and like which one's got the poison in it no <laughs> one like again it's almost farce it's almost farcical comedy that they've written it's and it's that's what i mean it doesn't get the credit it deserves for just how good the writing is um but i think what just edges it for me is culture because that bloody chess scene at the end because what i love most about that is is you've got the ridiculous ridiculousness of Richie's move where he does this whole sort of enactment of go, <laughs> I'm a bishop, I go sideways. Come on, shoot that prawn and like that. And, um, and he does all that. And it's amazing, like this weird monologue. But then Eddie does the most ridiculous thing where he just picks one piece up and then goes, checkmate. And then it like goes into like, a massive fight i think that's how most of the episodes end isn't it like as a fight someone getting punched and um but there's that because again it reminds me of being a kid when you're bored it's raining so you can't do anything so you have to fight and i remember me and my brother used to do board game competitions my brother's six years older than me so they didn't go so well and they would end not quite as bad as that but they would end with me probably like flipping a board or something like that because i would just be like so fed up with losing and that's one time eddie uh, richie does win because he wins the um, how much custard can you fit in your underpants because eddie sits down so did you label your top and i might have misheard so apologies but did you label your top three as gas contest and culture Yes, I think so. Burglar is on the just on the outskirts of those. Ladies and gentlemen, we have <laughs> a Decapod exclusive because my label top three are gas contest and culture. Ah, <laughs> oh, nice. This is this there's there's gonna be like some kind of shift in the space time continuum yeah. now. Um but no, I mentioned gas before I love that. The same things that you said with contest and culture. Um I think that there's a moment, I'm pretty sure it's, in, again, they do kind of merge into one side for me, but I'm pretty sure it's contest where he stood at his little piano and he stands <laughs> up and presses the keys. I, I, just a, I don't know why it's funny. I cannot pinpoint why that's funny, but I will cry laughter at that section. Just standing up and going, oh, like that. It's brilliant. And, and Oh, so you go. Um, the other thing I was going to say, I'm interested to see how far we can get with this because my memory is sketchy. But I'm interested to see how it gets. I think this is from culture. Let's play Pin the Tail on the Donkey. That's where I was going next. Okay. Um, could I be Richie? Uh, yes. Okay. So let's play Pin the Tail on the Donkey. We haven't got a donkey. Okay. Pin the Tail on the Chicken. I can't remember which way it goes. Is it we haven't got a chicken? Or we uh-huh. haven't got a, yeah, we haven't got a chicken. Um, pin the sausage on the fridge. We've gone from tail to sausage. Yeah. We've butchered it, I think. perfect. No. Uh, But either way, it's a brilliant piece of gold. Comedy gold. Well, we have to go to the end bit, because the end bit's the best bit. (laughs) Put the sausage on the fridge. We haven't got a sausage. (laughs) No, we haven't got a pin. (laughs) Sellotape a piece of sausage on the fridge. We haven't got a sausage. Put Put a piece of sellotape sellotape on the the fridge. fridge. (laughs) Then he just picked it up. (laughs) And that's the key. And again, I like that because that reminds me of being kids and trying to go, let's play this. Well, we can't because we've lost the dice for that one or something <laughs> like that. And it really, yeah. Oh, I'm pleased you brought that up. And then you Apologies get the, um, didn't get the lines right. 
Um, it matters not who won or lost today, but how you play the game. Yeah. <laughs> it goes off and swears. <laughs> Are there any episodes you, maybe it's a bit strong, but didn't like? I think only the first one um, smells. And I still think I would be able to quite happily watch that and laugh at it. Um, I, I just just doesn't it just doesn't sit as well for me but there's genuinely i i love all of them i think i, I can't think of one episode i don't like there's I, I don't know if i dislike it but there's only one that i don't enjoy and that's um and i forget which one it's called but it's the one where they go on honeymoon and eddie dresses up as a woman oh i do quite like that one it, it i don't know it, it this is going to sound silly but i couldn't it's like I can buy all the other episodes. I can kind of accept it. Even the one where God puts his hand out when on that Ferris wheel, I can kind of accept it. But I, the, I don't know. That one just feels more silly than funny to me. It's I, I don't know. It didn't it didn't really click with me. I mean, I'd still watch it. You know, it's still yeah. better than half a drizzle that's on today. But <laughs> it's still good. In fact. What I've never really realized this before, I never noticed it before, but I've got all the names of episodes in front of me, and they're brilliant. Mm. There's just uh, smells, gas, contest, apocalypse, sup, accident, digger, culture, burglary, parade, holy, south, hole, terror, break, door, finger, and carnival. Uh-huh. It sounds like I'm um, doing that Mary Poppins song, not Mary Poppins, from the um, where they've got all the kids. Do re mi sounds like I'm doing that. <laughs> but yeah, music. yeah, that's the one. But um, but I mean, what a bunch of names for a TV show. I can imagine pitching that. We're going to um, call this first show Smells and the second one Gas. Um, I now need to revisit Apocalypse, which has got one of my favourite lines, which is, um, how do you know these things? I'm death. Sorry. <laughs> yes. How do you know these things? <laughs> and I like it when he kind of goes, and have to play I spy. And he goes, it was Scythe. It was Scythe. And he says, that's Zipper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which one is it where it must be the Christmas one? Or maybe his birthday one, they're blending, but where Eddie decorates the apartment and he's, he's like spray painted the walls and he spelled everything wrong, including his own Christmas name. Form. Eddie yeah. is great, spelled yeah. wrong. <laughs> ED is great, and it's QPR, which aid he actually does support QPR in yeah. real life, doesn't he? Um, but I like that. So there was bottom, and again, amazingly named. So their outtakes um, video oh. they brought is called Fluff. Yeah. And uh, here's a kind of space menu. <laughs> like that. And I just love that. Is you have the new menu. <laughs> and because uh, I mentioned the, the Christmas one, um, and again, this is similar to the um, Richie's birthday one they mentioned, but that um, it's a it's a it's a novel Brussels sprout, which is brilliant. Well, I need to give mention. So my cousin Andy is in the group, and he joined the group because I told him we would be talking about Bottom, and he also maybe it's a Morgan thing. <laughs> he also loves Bottom, and uh, his wife Nat uh, one Christmas did actually wrap him about twenty Brussels sprouts just so they could reenact that bottle scene. So I just um, I just think that needs honourable mention. <laughs> I think that when I bought the, the the VHSs, 
I think I watched fluff more than mm. the actual series. I loved it. It's, it's such a, it's so much better than other outtake um, videos that you used to get. The stuff they used to do, there's that amazing bit where Aid just starts playing the organ. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, I love all the um, uh, Merry Christmas, Dennis Norton. Uh, yeah. It says, well, you bastard. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let's speak. We kind of touched on it before, but let's speak about the live shows for a second because I know you've been to about seventy fucking four of them. But but whatever. Um, the live shows. What did you think of them in comparison to the, the 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 TV series? So for me, I think they were trailblazers a little bit, and they were they would have definitely been doing the arena stuff that later acts got to do. So if you think about. League of Gentlemen when they went on tour, it's all like arena things. I just thought they seemed well. The big thing is, wasn't it? So bottom itself was a fifteen, but if you went to the live stuff, they did eighteen material. So they said even naughtier words than they did on the TV. But also this whole thing of were they going to this whole thing of were they going to mess up? Were they going to forget their lines and adverted commas because heartbreaking moment? And if people don't want to hear this, I suggest you turn off. The those were they were all planned. Those kind of we forgot our lines. There's very rare instances where they genuinely had. However, I don't care about that because I just there was something really and there was something genuinely exciting about going to to the shows and being able to be part of that. I'm gutted. I never saw a live show where there was the flat. So they were always they were on Hooligans Island. Um, and then in the other situations that they were in, I've never seen the flat set up, and that's quite gutting. But um they were just brilliant. They just took it up another level. And like some of the sets that they had built for them, and they everything about it was really ambitious, really, really ambitious. And I think the way they played audiences and crowds is absolutely impeccable. And I do feel genuinely, um, I don't know what the word is, but the, to, to be, I feel like I can say I've seen two comedy legends um, and I'm, I'm, you know, and that makes, that makes me very happy. I know it makes you angry, but. Well, more jealous and angry. I think that there's, you know, you say a lot of the bands and the people you've seen, I think this is the, probably the one I'm most jealous of. Jasper Carrot again. Um, I don't. You didn't see Lenny Henry live, did he? You just met him. I've seen Lenny. Oh, Henry Lenny Henry. Well. Then we'll I have that met. One. I did meet him as well. I, I could do my own list of people that you've seen that I'm jealous of, but um, <laughs> the only I think the the live shows so again. I never went to one. I just I've seen the DVDs. The only sort of one like you say that they're, they're balls up, if you like, that I still feel or. It's, Really struck me in genuine was the Hooligans Island one where the door didn't shut properly and Richie's just started crying with laughter. Yeah, I think sometimes they would genuinely react that way, but I do still think it's scripted that it's going to happen. You would just spoil Hooligans oh, Island sorry. for me. Sorry. Thanks for that. Oh, it's your regular the, thing, was, isn't it? But, <laughs> but that was one of the things me and my friend were excited to discover was we we knew we could compare because our film ours wasn't being filmed so we knew there was going to be a video coming out so we would be able to see if there was the fuck ups at hours that then made it onto it and but there were there were some different ones as well but I do think there was many that were scripted. Hmm. Um all right so just with the live ones 
Do you think they went too far? Because there was five in total. There was a two in the flat, Hooligans Island, an arse oddity, and then weapons grade Y fronts. Yeah. Do you feel that they should have stopped at any point, or do you think that the the five is is, is correct? I think they should have stopped at three, um, because it felt it probably almost made you see why the BBC didn't do series four. If that makes sense, it just it was same jokes, different, and I felt that they were really pushing their look by the fifth. Um, so yes, I do, I, I, and particularly because they got to do the film as well. Uh, I felt like the yeah they pushed it, and like it surprised me because when they did the young ones, they went down the faulty towers route, and they were I think they would have been allowed another three, four series of the young ones if they'd wanted to do it. They were moving to Channel 4, I think, which was the main reason why it stopped. But they were very big on, we want to end this. Now, that's why the young ones go over a cliff and a bus and blows up, because they didn't want any opportunity to bring those characters back. And it surprises me that they didn't feel similarly with Bottom. And But I would imagine the tours made them a hell of a lot of money. So I'm not going to criticise people. for new- And they always sold out. They always sold out those tours. So people obviously still wanted to see them. Yeah, I mean, obviously they can't, but I think if they were still going now, they'd still get good audiences because you're not necessarily going for the new material. You're going for almost like the best of. And yeah, the only I- problem they would have is they wouldn't be quick enough to do the fights. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, Hooligans Island was my favourite of those. Mm-hmm. And if I'm being completely honest, I think it's because it's the first one I saw. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I don't even think I knew there was a, a, a one and two. I think I just saw Hooligans Island. Oh, this looks good. It's a bottom thing. And and, and obviously we're massive fans of bottom. Um, so I love that one. The, the next one, which was an arse oddity, was I, I liked that. I thought it was because it was a bit different. If, unless I'm mistaken, that's the one where they're like in some kind of dome at the second half of it. When I just, yeah. it really amused me because it, it was different. It was silly. It was a bit zany. The the last one, it was good. But again, that again, it felt like a best of. It felt like the greatest mm. hits, which again, not a bad thing. And, you know, fair play to everything going, like I said, make that money. But I did like them all. Um, and I probably, again, I probably watched them more than the, the TV shows. I am. Um, I think my favourite's the first one, and not that I could. Uh, I'm not that I've. Oh, so the first one is all Monica. Isn't yes. it? It's just the most simplistic plot ever. He's got a blow up doll, and he wants Eddie to go out, and that's pretty much it, isn't it? Um, and is that where the Queen goes? Does the Queen go? The Queen's coming. Yeah. Yes, the Queen is coming. It's one of them, isn't it? First one yeah. or second one. And I can't remember if... No, it might be the second one because the second one is where he's got all the explosives. I don't know. It's um, like, I think similarly for you, those two have blended for me um, a little bit. But yeah, I think Hooligans Island is brilliant. And like, again, if anyone's like, go back and look at the look at the sets. Like Even if you take them to... The sets like must have really pushed the boundaries of what set design could do. This is the nineties. This isn't. This isn't the stuff that we take for granted now about stuff. They would have been trailblazers in stuff they would have asked to do. Think about the explosions. 
that kind of stuff that they need things to be able to do that kind of and the sets used to change really dramatically as well so there's that element to it that i just think stunning as well so we sort of with bottom itself just kind of touched on what you were saying there about the sets and it, it, it being almost pushing the boundaries the bottom tv series so in, in the sort of early to mid 90s do you think that was the end of an era the start of an era or do you think it's a standalone thing that doesn't end or begin anything I think it's I think it's standalone. I think it represents them and their humor because this is the other thing people have to remember is they didn't just create Richie and Eddie. They'd been the dangerous brothers for about 10, 15 years before that. They've done comic strip presents where a lot of their stuff that they wrote was also there. They were writing Richie and Eddie. For 10 to 15 years before Bottom got commissioned, all that happened was is that it got that sitcom format that they really wanted. So I think for them, it was like an end of an it. And it would have been fascinating to see if they would have got back together again. Because obviously, um, by the time Rick died, they weren't collaborating. It wasn't that they'd fallen out either, but they didn't collaborate anymore. They were both doing solo projects. So I think it stands alone. I think it's its own style of comedy. But I also think it inspired a couple of others. And one that's in my mind um, with when I say this is I think Red Dwarf, completely different situation, but that kind of gross out kind of humour. I think Red Dwarf borrowed from bottom for that. And also Gimme, Gimme, Gimme. Yeah. And Gimme, Gimme, Gimme for me is basically bottom but with that kind of it's um, a heterosexual and a gay flatmate and they've brought that dimension into it but again a lot of those kinds of like stuff Linda says that makes you kind of go oh gross out comedy they've borrowed that from Rick and Aid for definite. I think that, that's a good show on both of them because I would try to think of comedies that had borrowed from bottom and i was struggling but yeah there's there's two the the tamer versions of of bottom um so yeah good shout um then we come to the i'm going to refer to it as the elephant in the room because i think me and you have different opinions on this which is guest house paradiso Uh now i did a little bit of reading up on this because we had a, a little debate about the names of the characters. Oh, I looked this up as well. Yeah, I think you were saying that they had the same name and I was saying it was different. I think we were both uh, right. No, I definitely remembered Richie was called Richard Twat. I was positive. I thought Eddie was still called Eddie, but I know that they changed Eddie's surname now. Yeah, I knew they'd change their names, but I thought they'd change their first name. Um, I thought they'd gone by Richard, uh, sorry, by Rick and Aid. Uh, but it wasn't like I said it was Richard Twat and or as uh, as Richard pronounced it Richard Fwit yeah um, which uh, Elizabeth Bouquet um, <laughs> and Eddie was I've got it written down uh, ridiculous Ningon Barber Ningon Barber she's, <laughs> she's brilliant Eddie but Elizabeth Ningon Barber yeah you must have been right those the surnames or having both those names together must have been copyrighted to the BBC. That must that's the only because when you said it, I was like, but they're their characters. So how can anyone but it must be that? And that's why they've had to change the surnames. Yeah, because this the 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 film itself wasn't called Bottom, was it? It was just called Guest House Paradise. Exactly. 
And yeah, so it was interesting. But I know we've touched on it before, but but expand a little bit on what you think of guest house parody. So but see, I would have I was always going to be incredibly biased, and it would have had to have been extremely terrible for me to identify it even as being poor or mildly poor. I really like it. I I can still remember that opening scene where he's trying to find Eddie and Eddie's on that motorbike and he's like asleep on it. And I, again, I think that's amazing visual comedy. Um, I think they probably pushed the grossness a bit. There's that awful bit at the end of the film where everyone's being sick and it's proper projectile um, vomit across the night and it's gross. Like Then I think if I watched that now, I would probably turn my nose up at that a little bit. Um, but I think again, as a as a duo, I like the fact that there's all these little cubby holes, and Richie um, or Richard runs a hotel exactly as you would expect him. He's got little cubby holes where he can get in, and he have a little perv on the guests and things like that. And Eddie's being Eddie. He's like I said, he's coming in on a motorbike. He's fast asleep. He goes flying off it and ends exactly where he needs to be. Like you said, always lands on his feet. Always kind of happy with with where he's at. Um, do I think it's representative of how good Bottom was? Probably not. I think for me, it's more, I mentioned about my, my least favourite episode being the one where they go to the, the hotel and where uh, Eddie dresses up. And it's like, I think it, it's more similar to that episode. And I think that the episodes where it's, it's kind of not just them two predominantly and mm-hmm. where it's, I think my favourites are when it's predominantly just them two stuck in the flat and Mm -hmm. there's kind of no escape from each other and then you see that tension build and build and build whereas in Guest How Paradiso like I say Eddie's out on his motorbike and you know he's got all this crazy stuff going on and it's not a bad film by any stretch but I think the other thing and this is something that again we've spoke previously about how I struggle with comedy I think this is where I struggle sometimes with 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 audiences and not audiences, um, stuff like The Office, for example. I, I like finding out where to laugh by myself mm-hmm. with that stuff like Red Dwarf, and I love Red Dwarf, but that just sounds like canned laughter. It never, to me, sounds like natural laughter. Mm. So I've never been as big of a fan as Red Dwarf because it's a bit like. Or so you're telling me to laugh here, but bottom the TV series and the, the live shows that always felt like natural laughter, and it felt like I was laughing with people. And yeah. I think, and also because of the some of the stuff you're laughing at is is quite interesting or delicate or whatever you want to phrase it as. And it's like, oh, it's okay, I'm allowed to laugh. There's an element of that, I think. But when you put it in the the film, like you said, that that, that vomit sequence, it's like. I don't really find this funny. I don't mm. know if I should find it funny because no one else is laughing. And I don't really think that I found found the film that that funny. And I think that's why I think that I probably would have found that more amusing if it had been in front of an audience. Um, but again, that's just just uh, on my weird brain work sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm happy it exists, and I I think I mentioned before, if you had the video or particularly if you had the DVD, there is an amazing making of things. So if people like tend to like the dynamic between Rick and Aid, 
I would actually, I bet you it's on YouTube. So I would definitely recommend people seeking that out because you see, you see Rick being a lovely. So there's that older actress, I forget her name. I feel really terrible. She's like a proper sort of refined actress that's in there as the as the elderly guest and you see Rick just kind of being a bit of a lovey with her and I just I just loved seeing that side to him I loved seeing there's loads of amazing candid videos of him and he's always either being extremely funny or being extremely nice um and and lovable and I just think he was just one of a kind in terms of there's there only ever be one Rick Mayo that it's that that yeah. level of greatness. I mean, I, I don't think I was um, the, to the level of obsession that you were, <laughs> but I, I love Rick Mail and um, I, I can remember it bothering me when he, he died. Um, and most celebrities don't, you know, mm-hmm. still to this day, it's like I, I struggle to get a bond or a connection with him. And I think that Adrian Emerson and Rick Mail, I did. And I don't yeah. think it's just because that was through my uh, my troubled teenagers. I don't think it was <laughs> just because of, them. it helped me win a point the other week. You know? mm. um, but I, I don't think it was just because of that. I think it was just because of how good it was and the, mm. the quality. And, and again, like you said, seeing them away, I mean, some of the, the, the interviews that I've seen them do where Rick Mail genuinely just looks like he hates being interviewed. It's like yeah. he, he just wants to go and do this, this you know, Funny shit. It's it's almost like a relationship that that two podcasts two podcasters might have, where one of them just wants to do the podcast and fuck all else, and then, <laughs> <laughs> you know, well the other one's got to do all donkey work. There's a slight exaggeration there, clearly. But not when you there's some interviews I've seen where, and to be fair, Adrian Emerson doesn't look particularly comfortable either. But it's you can tell it's not that they don't want to be there. It's just they're not comfortable coming on and bragging about and promoting their show. I, see, I don't think it quite is that. I think they have to go on shows like Live and Kicking and The Big Breakfast where they're not allowed to swear. And I think there's an element of that where they've probably been taken to one side a little bit. But actually, the Live and Kicking episode they're on, that's absolutely brilliant. And there's a twinkle in Rick's eyes. And he's a, he's quite a flirtatious man as well. And I can't remember which female host. I don't, I don't think it was when Zoe Ball was hosting it. might have been Emma Forbes. There's just a twig, there's just a playfulness to them. And I get what you say. I don't think that they were, I don't think they were as outgoing. So it's not like, well, if you think about Parkinson, and when you think about when Peter Kay goes on Parkinson, he absolutely takes over the show and he's like, "Eh." but he's actually very good at ducking out of it. That's how he gets out of being interviewed. It's actually a bit of a tactic, but he's very. I don't think Rick and Aid were like that. I think I would agree with you. If they went on something like Parkinson, I think they're quite happy to have a serious conversation about comedy, about how they met and things like that. But when you see them on shows that they probably should what are they doing going on live and kicking? <laughs> I, I don't remember to? them going on live and kicking at all. I can't remember that at all. Well, you need to check it. Yeah, I can't remember which, which one I'm thinking of in particular because I can picture it in my head where it just looks uncomfortable, but um, I'm not... There was an interview we did with, I pretty much sure it was Ben Elton. And he wasn't just talking about a bottom it, we're talking about his career. And it, it was just, I, I know him and Ben Elton were, were, were close, weren't they? And it, it were like, um, he looked like he were easy and comfortable and he just let himself go. And it was this wonderful interview. And, and the other one that springs to mind, and I think we've spoke about this before, is, is um, his speech for, was it Nottingham University? I don't know if it's Nottingham, but it's definitely it, when he gets his honour, his honours, yeah. Yeah, and 
it's it's beautiful. It's an yeah. absolutely amazing speech, and it's something I've got saved because every now and again I'll go back and watch it because it's a it's still funny. You know, it's Rick Mail. It's always going to be funny, but b it's just like inspiring. In fact, well, I'll dig that YouTube clip out and I'll put it in the group. I think, but it's just a, a wonderful, a wonderful thing. I can't watch it too much without crying. And there's the 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 best line in it is everybody is born equal, so no man can ever be above you or something like that. And yeah. that's like, but I can't watch it without crying because it's such an inspirational speech. Yeah. I think it does sort of thing. I might have this wrong way around, but it says, I'm going to tell you five things and puts four mm. fingers up. It's yeah. one of those. Um, but yeah, it, it, I, I did get a bit, I mean, it was a long time ago, wasn't it? When it, when he died, it feels like it was uh, not that long ago. It must be quite a while ago. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, okay. So would you recommend, I mean, anyone listening to this show is probably not going to have the, uh, the most polite sense of humor, but <laughs> would you recommend it to today's youth to, to go and watch and not just as like a, a history thing, go and see what comedy used to be like, but would you recommend it? To, for people to watch and find merriment and amusement in now. I did. Um, I have tried this. Um, I've had like the generation below in my life and it's not landed that well uh, with them. And I do think this is thing it is in its little time capsule because it is, they were always like, so this is like really interesting for me actually. They're alternative comedians. So they are the, the set of comedians that brought about a type of comedy. They are the anti-Bernard Manning style of comedy. When they come through um, in the early 80s and late 70s, when they're working in London and when they're doing other clubs, they outwardly go, we are alternative comedians. That means we are non-sexist. We are not homophobic. We are not any of these things. Yet there's there's... There are elements of sexism in bottom, but we've spoken about this. The joke is on them. So they are they are sexist, but they're also losers and women have nothing to do with them. And that's, again, why it works. But I don't know how well that would land with our generation, with the generation of now. See, I have a slightly different opinion. And, and again, this is just my opinion. I don't have a trained ear or a trained eye on this stuff, but... I'm not sure it's sexism in that I think it's more desperation. <laughs> I, um, and and also I think that it's everything is fair game in bottom. So it's it's you know it, it's women, it's men, it's trans, it's it's dogs, it's cats, it, mm-hmm. it's it's everything. They they take the piss out of everything. And I think that's to me, that kind of makes it okay because they're not picking on a minority. They're not picking on um, uh, someone that doesn't have the same, oh, I can't think of the term, almost social standing. That, do, do you know what I mean? That they're not, they're not picking on Boris Johnson who can just brush everything off and you know go to his peers to get another few billion quid and oh, come away from the politics. They're not doing that. They're, so that's what they are doing. You know, but they're also picking on everyone else. Mm. And because of that, I think that's why I find it okay. If it was just a, if they weren't taking the piss out of everyone. And I think that's the other thing, actually, because they at the time they use, it's set in our world. 
it's not saying it's own world, you know, the, the mm. core actual people of the time, you know, yeah. the one that springs to mind is, is Des Lynham, you know, when he's under <laughs> the fridge trying to get a look at Desi's hammerhead, you know, the, and they're doing um, the football, spot the football or whatever it's called, spot the ball, you know, they, they, they actually name these real people. So it's setting our time, it's setting our world. Well, um, Tony Blair is, is referenced in it yeah. at one point. Yeah. And I think to me, that's what, that's that's why I can find it acceptable because they're not discriminating. They're just saying everyone's a dick. Yeah, yeah, I could get, but I still don't know that that would land. That's the thing. I just don't know if that would land with. If we're talking about a younger generation than I was watching it, I don't know. How Potentially, it. you know, you you hear what you want to hear sometimes, don't you? And maybe yeah. I'm hearing it a bit blasé, and someone else might hear it as that's offensive to me. Yeah. But um, I don't think there's any malice in anything they're doing there. I think that's the that's the key thing. Whereas, like you said, um, you mentioned Bernard Manning, you know, Chubby Brown, Jim uh-huh. Davidson, you know, that there's malice, there's offence in there, there's genuine offence intended. It's not, despite what people may say, it's not. Oh well, I'm just saying this, and then I'll apologise if I think. Oh, fuck off, right? You're mm. a dick. It's it, it's not aimed that way. Whereas, sorry, it is aimed that way. Whereas, bottom is just let's take the piss out of everything and have some fun. And and I, I can I, I do get what you're saying, but I think that's where I've got a slightly different opinion. In that, I don't feel like there's actual sexism or anything like that in there. I think it's I kind of said it jokingly, but I think it's desperation. Yeah, and I think that. And again, that's not condoning it. I'm not, you know, if we're going sort of serious, I'm not condoning it just because the Richard Richard has never had sex and he's desperate. That makes it okay for him to mm-hmm. be sexist. But I think that there's a bit of that. But anyway, I'm going a little bit deep now. <laughs> that's what she said. I'm Yes, I'm going yeah, deep into bottom. <laughs> oh, dear. So um, out of all the cameos or the extra people, who would you say your favourite cameo is? Good question, because the one that springs to mind, and I can't remember his name, but I'm pretty sure it was the first episode, so Smells, I think, and it's when they're in the pub, and it's a guy that was in Casualty that that, that swats Richie. Because <laughs> I'm trying to get it off with those two fit birds at the bar. <laughs> I'm all out of everybody. <laughs> yeah. goes, oh, that was it, because when they're in the pub... And they get all the Johnnies because Eddie punches the Johnny machine and they just start firing out. Goes, and then he walks because I'm going to do it and do it and do it and do it to those birds at the bar. And then he, what, what are you saying? And Eddie goes, he says he's going to do it and do it and do it to those birds at the bar. I think that's probably my favourite because that's probably the one I found funniest. I mean, Nigel in burglary was uh, was good. Um, I think, was it Julie? Ju- Ju- am I getting them wrong? Julia Swahili that was in one of them. Swahili, yeah. Swahili, she's, uh, yeah. she's a um, barmaid. Was that the one where Richie used the line? Um, do you use Tim or tea? Yes, because if you don't, you should. I can't think of any of us off the top of my head. Who else was there? So there was um, the one that I really like. Again, it's in Apocalypse. So that's where they go to the fun fair. And you've got, is it Liz Smith? It's who who was Nana in the royal family, basically. Um, you are going to die. <laughs> that is the uh, fortune teller. She's she's really good. What do you expect uh, for a fiver? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you expect? Yeah. And um, yeah, another Red Dwarf wrestler. You've obviously got um, Robert Llewellyn um, in it, and he's the guy with the wooden leg. And that's oh, also yeah. and that's also the um, episode with Sad Ken, the horse. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with a name like Sad Ken. <laughs> People can't see your hand gestures when you're doing your impressions, and it's a joy to behold. This video will be going out on Patreon, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's part of it. Um, but yeah, I think, I don't know, that one sticks out for me. That I can't remember his name, the guy that was in Casualty, but I think it's just, that's the one I found funniest. Uh, anything else on bottom? What else is there anything else you would like to discuss or specifically mention around bottom? In fact, uh, they won an award in 1992 for the, the best new TV comedy. I can't imagine uh, that was a British comedy award as well. I can't imagine bottom ever winning an award because I would have thought it was too alternative. I, I think, think it, I thought it won a BAFTA. Possibly, I don't know. I, I think it won a BAFTA. At some Maybe. I do. I do think it did get critical acclaim. I don't think it was um, frowned upon um, in its day. Um, no, I don't think so. Um, it's just, it's just one of those. I think. Well, if you, I, and again, I just think we were the perfect age in some ways. I will say it was one of those shows where, particularly when it moved to a Friday night when it was on, you'd go to school on Monday and everyone would be quoting it and reenacting it. And again, that's sort of um, testament to the amazing writing skills that they wrote these brilliant things of dialogue that people would then do. And again, to just give you another idea about the level of obsession that me and my friend had. So in year 10, we did this weird thing where, so I grew up near Butlins and we had a day where we went to Butlins, but none of Butlins was open, but they kind of did it. And we had to practice our French. And <laughs> this is a genuine trip that we did. So they had little bits of, and but like lots of schools from the area went as well. So what that often used to mean was you just used to try and get off with the with with boys from the other schools because they were exciting, and there was probably an element of that. But they had a talent show, but you had to do your show in French, and me and my friend translated a load of bottom into French so we could do it on the talent show. And I can't remember all of it, but we definitely nicked the bit. Um, Tony Blair is a man because I remember she um she played Richie and I played Eddie and um, I just I always remember like Tony Blair Edonom Elba Elba and I remember we gave the script to our, our French teacher and she was like the problem is this isn't French humor and I was like I don't get I want to go do bottom on stage <laughs> so I've performed a bit of bottom in French so you performed bottom for the French boys yeah. Well, nobody went to the fashion uh, to the to the talent show, so it, we kind of just performed it for ourselves. Um, that's the clip for the show. So you performed <laughs> the bottom for the French boys. Yes, that's what we're leading with, uh, and I think that feels like an absolute perfect story to finish on. <laughs> um, so, as always, because we've forgotten, if you're enjoying the Decapod 
the might and the, the gravitas that surrounds this wonderful Decapod podcast that you're listening to. Be sure to do a whole host of things. First of all, join the Decapod group. It's on Facebook. Go to Facebook, type in the word Decapod. It'll come up. When you've joined the Decapod group, then go find us on all the other social media, including TikTok. And when you found us on TikTok, go and find Emma Morgan, who is currently launching her TikTok career. Uh, TikTok famous by the time this episode comes out. And when you've done that, go to iTunes. Do we do iTunes? Apple. Apple. And leave us a five-star review. And if you haven't got Apple, send me the text because I'll read the review anyway. And I've forgotten to write them down, so I'm not going to make one up, as you accused me of the other week. (laughs) (laughs) When I said real, what I meant was one that's actually on Apple because that's where we can get reviews on. The use of the word real was unfortunate on my part. Anyway, um, leave us a nice little five-star review. We always appreciate that. Uh, And, yeah, make sure you click subscribe. Emma, are you going to wrap up the show at all? That was the week that was bottom and where we started off with smells and talks about sex and sex shops and I got PTSD from having to watch it with my parents. We both agreed that gas was a gas to watch and we both thoroughly enjoyed it and we also enjoyed culture where eddie and richie went on adventures of chess and sticking pieces of sellotape onto the fridge we've really loved reflecting back on those live shows that i was fortunate enough to go and see three of and also that hooligans island probably being that pinnacle of that live show and the excitement that there was around that rick and aid always coming through as wonderful people and inspirations to us still now even after the sad passing of the great rick mail himself and the film yeah it's there we don't mind it but it's just that icing on the cake i guess and they've got that complete set but bottom we're so grateful for you thank you That's what she said. (laughs) I might cut that. Cut what? My um, summary was a bit shit. Do it again. Then you can cut and replace if you want. I thought it was all right. Uh, I'm going to do it. I'll do it again and I could choose. Just do seven. <laughs> I'll be back in five minutes. <laughs> right. Right, Jane. And uh, that was the week. That was <coughs> awesome. Oh, you twat. You absolute twat. <laughs>